Good morning, everyone. It's one one one. That's January eleventh. It's a special day for me. Uh, today is my birthday, and my birthday wishes have come true. We have our technology right now, and we have an extraordinary guest coming on. He's a repeat offender, a friend of mine, Jerome Myers, here to talk about one of my favorite things in business: the exit and understanding how do we actually quantify the hard effort, the uh, consistent behavior, the sea of no's to an island of yes. And he has a unique perspective, archetypes of the exit. Welcome, Jerome Myers. David, thanks for having me, man. So good to see you again. I remember having you on Dreamcatchers a couple of years ago. So it's great to come on and hang out with you in office hours. Well, you and I have a very similar perspective of the meaning that we give this world and the meaning that we give our success. And so many people don't give meaning. Uh, They're so busy working, they forget to make money. Uh, They seem to be like in Camus, the stranger, rolling a boulder to the top of the hill just to have it roll down to the bottom again. Uh, And sometimes that lasts a lifetime. I want to talk about transformative transitions. And you create... uh, Exit Archetypes, which is uh, a super helpful tool to be intentionally uh, in, intentional about what we want or anticipate for the future. But before you answer that, I have uh, a birthday wish come true as well. So, <laughs> Eagle from New York City, what's going on? First of all, happy, happy birthday. Uh, genuinely. I love you. I hope you feel all the love today, the impact that you make on the world. I hope you feel it back a hundred times today. Thank you for having me. I know it's a little spontaneous. I'm a little sweaty. Just got back from the gym, but uh, I'm ready to rock. Let's have fun. Okay. We're going to talk about something I know that you love as well. We're talking about transformative transitions, the archetypes of exit and uh, being intentional about, you know, why am I building this business? Why am I building this company? And we have an expert in the space Jerome Myers, this is Craig Siegel. Uh, and so, Jerome, let's let's talk about those archetypes. Yeah. So, Dave, we've identified eight exits that founders go through. Most people leave being an employee and go into being chief everything officer. Some people call it CEO, and they expect the glamorous things like the Ferraris and the private jets. But really, what they end up with is the trips to Staples and refilling the copier because nobody does that in your home office. Uh, from there, they go to the next exit, which is supervising people who are actually doing the work. And that exit is one that I think is a big switch for people because you go from doing everything to having other people do that. And so if your goal is to be the most important person in the business, you aren't going to be able to get to any type of scale. And so that second exit is where we move from being a frontline worker in production to that next level. The next level is managing the manager. And this is also where you start becoming a thought leader. And so the managers are making sure the day-to-day work is happening. You're going out and being the evangelist for your business, the way you guys do business, how you do business. And that space is when you actually start to have brand. There's some recognition outside of close friends and family. And you start to see people coming to you asking how you do what you do. From there, we see an opportunity to get an operator involved, like a chief operations officer. And so that allows you to get out of the day-to-day operation. And this is when you truly become CEO, when you start thinking strategically, right? Now, this is a place where some people skip this next one, 
which is actually joining the board and becoming chairman of the board. I'm sure you've been familiar with people who exit the day-to-day and become chairman of the board, and they enjoy that space where they're all in strategy, and basically they're a business owner versus being somebody who works in the business. This is kind of the sweet spot for a lot of people because you still have the salary coming in, and you still have the ownership. But some people don't take that step. They just go to what we call exit six, which is the payday, right? You get the seven, eight, nine figure exit. But what happens when you don't go to that chairman seat is you end up with what we call the founder's exit paradox. And so you spent this time building an organization and now you have these feelings that don't feel so positive, even though you've had this significant achievement. You lost your identity. You lost a lot of relationships. Most people lost all of the work that they were doing and they lost their health. And so now they're trying to figure out what they're going to do with all this time and money on the backside of it. We'll talk about the last two just so if, because we want to be complete. Yeah, I want to so comment. Then the next one, go ahead. Craig, Craig could not have been here sooner because this is something that he and I work on and I know where he wants to be and what he wants to become. And he's asking questions right now about this exact process. Uh, I do want to ask before before kind of goes into it and what questions he have, and I know he does. Um, I think one of the things, and, and I've gone through these archetypes, and I've yeah. you know I'm old enough where I missed a few on the long way, and I had to learn the hard way. I didn't have you around to help me, um, but I will tell you one of the things that happens, and I'll use Dr. Connolly uh, from Metrex. Uh, as an example, he exited for 105 million, skipped the steps of being the chairman. Uh, he sold it to GNC. And uh, what was also there was that they changed the baby. And that really upset him. You know, the authenticity of his product, Metrex, was dissipated, uh, it was mass produced, it lost, you know, its core audience of bodybuilders and you know, in truly quality product, it, it, it that to him was the biggest loss. It was a death. You know, he said, I'm going to suffer two deaths in my life. And if I could buy back my company for twice as much, I would because the money means nothing. Um, you know, it, it, is that ego or is that, you know, a, a parental? How people say my company is my baby. And when it comes time to the big exit, they, you know, you would never sell your baby. And that seems to be a big problem in the exit. Well, I don't think it's as ego as much as it's identity. So most people, especially in U- the U.S., they introduce themselves by what they do. Right. I'm yes. the founder or owner of this company. In other countries, they talk about their hobbies and their interests or they talk about their family. And so because we've put so much of our stake in what we do to make money, and I won't even say earn a living, what we do to make money, when that piece of us is gone, we feel that kind of severing. We feel that loss. We feel uh, uncomfortable and disappointed as a result of that. And we go from a place that's very certain because we created it to one that's really uncertain because we're stepping into a new phase of our experience in our life and getting ready to climb that second mountain. Dave, you weren't kidding when you said this is divine and timely. Uh, this is exactly what I'm going through right now. And, and one thing, this isn't really a question, but maybe you just have some suggestions. 
we're building our company now um, in the process of turning it from a business into an organization. And one thing that I've done that I, that I think was a mistake and I'm learning is that I was hiring this whole time for potential as if like, oh, this is a good person. Let's see what they can do and have them do certain roles that maybe they're not an expert in, as opposed to hiring very intentionally with experts on what I need to get accomplished. Is that typically um, a common mistake? Yeah. And so in the beginning, right, if you're an exit two where you're chief everything officer, the first thing you want to do is just get hands on deck and you're looking for the cheapest talent possible. Right. And there isn't a belief of anybody can do it better than you because you're the one that figured out how to do it. Right. So it's just like, all right, let me find some people who I can tell what to do. And so you're the wizard and you got helpers running around doing the stuff for you. When you move to exit three and exit four, that's when people start to shift and they're like, hey, I was doing all this stuff and I was pretty good at it. But I got I'm going to hire one person to do this one specific thing. I want them to be a specialist. And if they've already done it before for somebody else, it's going to help scale my organization at a much faster pace. And we get to learn from their other experiences versus it just being a byproduct of my vision and my understanding. So, yeah, as you get more senior in an organization, as you go through more of your exits, you start to see that happen more and more because the roles get more clearly defined. Beautifully said. And also, I, I never heard it before. I love uh, cheap everything, officer. It's so relatable. I think especially to any entrepreneur or business owner in the beginning stages. You're doing a lot more than you'd probably like to admit. Oh, always. And uh, having Jerome in our corner to help identify, you know, everything is really important because you can't give up everything. And what I love about Jerome and what he's talking about is being able to pick and choose to that measure as well. There's two new uh, support staff, and I know Ken and I are talking about this as something in the transformation of, of what I'm doing. It's capable uh, of those running our business. So when we reach exit six or or exit five, um, we now have some options. You know, whether we have developed the talent within or hired the, the hired gun, the experts in their field, we now have opportunity the scale by taking away uh, some of the uh, capabilities that people have that, number one, uh, can be re replaced by AI. I'm not talking about replacing people with AI, but actually replacing capability with AI. And then also scaling through virtual assistants. Uh, you know, what, one of the things we talk about that identity in America, Jerome, that, you know, people identify and say, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm an idiot. Uh, and they don't talk about their hobbies, their families, et cetera. I have found that, you know, hiring abroad virtual assistants uh, for certain capabilities uh, that free up your talent, that allow your talent to go ahead and maximize the things that they do. You know, there's certain things that AI and VAs do and they, because of their situation, they love you know, they're working for, for life, not working for luxury. Right. And so inputting, you know, 600 pieces of data a day, AI doesn't complain. Uh, you know, making 60 phone calls a day, virtual assistants don't complain because they're making twice as much as they were before. They're for the sake of what is fulfilled. Uh, has that changed your 
new transformative transitions in archetypes, the ability to hire virtual assistants and utilize AI? So I think the process is the same. It's just a matter of the overhead that you're going to incur by the resource that you allocate to against the problem that you're trying to solve. So you can do more as chief everything officer, and you might be able to stay in that role a little bit longer because you harness AI. But once you start putting people in place, the AI doesn't think for itself. You still need people. And so you can help have more people be more efficient by utilizing the AI, but it's not going to replace the people. It's going to, what replaces people is somebody using AI because they're able to do more things in a quicker amount of time. And real quick, we have a couple of people, uh, not to step in front of my man, uh, but I'd love to hear the last two archetype exits uh, before we have you on our other shows. <laughs> yeah, so the, the last two is the post-exit portfolio. And so I've got a background in multifamily real estate, and there's other people who want to do venture capital and other people who are interested in just putting their money in the stock market. At the end of the day, most people are accredited investors on the backside of an exit. So they get opportunities to invest in things that aren't always regulated by the Security and Exchange Commission. And the ability to evaluate those is a very different skill set. And if a person doesn't have a strategic advisor on their team to help them go through that stuff, it's very likely that the money that they got from their exit, those proceeds are going to be lost, right? They're going to have a good idea, a good, a good idea, a good idea. And a bunch of those good ideas aren't going to work out. And so being able to have somebody who can vet those ideas and work, walk them through that process of making um, safer investments is I think extremely important because the one thing that happens that I think everybody forgets when they get the big exit is that you cut off your cash flow. And so some people, the one thing that they're worried about is running out of money because they don't have new money coming in. And so they're trying to create cash flow through these investments. But if you make the wrong investments or the timing of the investments is wrong, then you end up dwindling down the money that you got. And you could end up a greeter at Walmart if you're not careful. And that's an extreme example, but it is a thing. And then the last exit is um, having your endowed foundation. I believe when you have those eight and nine figure exits, there's opportunity for you to put capital into something that continues to grow that will fund the mission of the organization that you create. And this is important to me, David, because I hear so many people who are in the philanthropic world who said, if I just didn't have to go raise money, we would be so much better as an organization. And so if you are able to find that passion project that you want to um, eradicate, we call it a problem, that problem you want to eradicate from the face of the planet, and you can put dollars to it, you can allow people to go out and do that work. Now, for it to grow, there may need to be more dollars, there may need to be fundraising, but the initial mission, I think with the eight or nine figure exit, you may be able to put enough into it where that thing can go on in a perpetuity and you don't have to have people going to fundraise and maybe the work is enough that it will allow other people to bring in the dollars instead of folks having to go out and chase those in the sea and nose, as you talked about when we started this thing. Well, man, what a great birthday gift you are for everyone out there. There's so many mistakes in the eight archetypes of exit. 
great lessons, avoid the pain. The dummy tax has been paid. Get a strategist like Jerome Myers, jeromemyers.co. Thank you so much as the chief everything officer of my own life. I appreciate all the strategy and advice that you've given me uh, in check dream catches uh, as well. Thank you again. We'll talk to you soon. Please come back. Join us on our other shows. Jerome. Thanks for having me, David. This was awesome. Great meet, meeting you, Chris. Great to meet or you. Craig, sorry. Sorry, Craig. That's All right. good. All good. We brought him in late. My man, Craig Siegel, the Eagle, flying high above here on Office Hours. And, uh, you know, I love talking basketball. Uh, I thought that I was going to be uh, the commissioner of basketball when David Stern uh, left that position. I was born in the same hospital as LeBron James and Steph Curry. So I thought it was my legacy, uh, my right to divine order that with all the sports executive front office experienced negotiation, et cetera, that I had that I was just primed, to, but they took the other David, I think. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, uh, it has not come to fruition yet. yet. More importantly, my love for basketball and basketball legacy uh, is always my heart. The vice president of Keech Basketball Legacy is joining us, Katie Keech, who actually somehow, and I don't know how she does this, works with her husband. And uh, I, I think that's a greater achievement than what they've done with releasing their new nonprofit uh, <laughs> and shaping the lives of men through sports. Welcome, Katie, to Office Hours. Hi. Thank you, David. Appreciate you having me on. Welcome, Katie. Oh, we appreciate what you do. You it's so important what you do. You know, it's interesting. Um, I worked on the football side of things uh, with kids, and I used to say it's remarkable uh, that a mom will literally go without food uh, to pay for quarterback lessons. <laughs> and uh, not everyone out there, uh, I think, has the right intention for the sake of what they're doing it. There's a lot of people, I think, that manipulate that, whether it be music or sports uh, you know, there's a lot of people, um, you know, that's why I love sports. You know, when I got in, Lee Steinberg told me, you know, Dave, what business are we in? I said, I have no idea. Way back then, he just said, you know, we are in the uh, emotional irrationality of middle-aged men. That's how we make our money. Uh, and there's, he said, there's only one place people are more emotional than sports, and that's kids. Uh, you know, people will spend $1,000 on a signed piece of paper <laughs> that makes no sense uh but it's amazing what they'll do for their kids and when you combine kids and sports uh provide a great opportunity to create a, a legacy for everyone um you guys have released a new nonprofit uh last year give me some of the distinctive differences in what you're doing than just selling parents on emotional irrationality uh, to support their children's dreams yeah, uh, again, thank you so much for the opportunity to share our mission uh, and our vision. Um, so when I was in middle school through high school, um, I was on that track of wanting to play in college, wanting to play beyond college, right? And there was no, it was like uh, blinders on. Nobody was talking about, well, what happens if you don't? Or what happens if you get hurt? Um, and I had I actually got hurt junior going into senior year, came back, tried to play again and broke the opposite ankle. And it really ended my career. And I struggled to pick myself up because nobody was talking about it. And what we want to do is help these kids understand that basketball is a vehicle. I actually looked up the statistic 0.005% go on to play 
um, into college and even beyond into the MBA and WNBA. And we wanted to help these kids understand that that basketball is the vehicle. We're going to meet you where you are in the training, the development. You know, we just got done uh, at Winter Series a couple of weeks ago. We'll be back uh, shortly. And but we want them to understand that there's these skills that are life skills that they're learning through this. And also that through that journey, they're going to need to learn how to budget their money. They're going to need to learn how to understand what NIL is. They need to understand how what they're doing today, even as middle school, high schoolers, it's going to impact them as they go into their college journeys and beyond and helping them to really build relationships with these corporations kind of cut out the recruiters is is my uh, vision of this and be able to get the corporation sponsoring these kids um, in their journey and their training mechanism uh, so that they can, you know, after basketball, have a, a place to go, you know, place to land and, and be able to be successful adults and, and potential entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, first of all, Dave, William, me, I love it. Uh, I'm just curious kind of a little bit off topic, but Dave explained his passion for basketball and so forth. When did, when did your uh, unbelievable passion start for basketball? Yeah. Uh, I'm born and raised in a basketball family. So I've only ever played basketball, uh, started having a ball in my hand when I was like three years old and um, seventh grade played freshman ball, uh, freshman played varsity. And, you know, it was a one track mine. I, I got to work out with Michelle Marciniak a few times um, train underneath her. She's local uh, and was able to continue that love. And and then when I got injured, um, I felt like I lost the love. But then when you have a child, my daughter just turned 12 in September. Um, I, I started putting a ball in her hand at three years old. She's only played basketball her whole life. And uh, we've created a community around us of, of kids that love the sport and train all the time and are, are putting the work in both in the classroom uh, and in the in the court. I ask that because it's so obvious and contagious how connected you are to your mission. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I'm very passionate about it. I did um I did learn to take what I got from the basketball journey and put it into a corporate career. So I did 14 years at a logistics company, helped grow it from under five million to over 1.5 billion. Um, and through that journey, I exited in 2019 and founded my own full service back office solution. I've done the corporate grind. Um, I've done the entrepreneurship. I want to make social impact. I, you know, love my team, love all the business uh, that we've built together. But I am happiest when I am sitting, working with the kids, teaching them how this impacts their everyday life and what this looks like next. And I'm talking about when they, you know, sprain their ankle or their knee, that this is bound to happen maybe multiple times for them. So understand what they're really learning in this in this journey. It's so interesting that you say that because, you know, I talk about a mission of empowering others like you, that I know will empower others to empower others. And that's how we'll change the collective consciousness of the earth to be able to make a lot of money like you have to help a lot of people like you're doing and also have a lot of fun. Uh, but there is a foundation that you and I have both shared. And I think Craig as well, you know, I, Closest I've come to potential was being, and I've been told by my college football co coach recently, I used to say to be an average college football player, but he actually said, Dave, you were below average. Um, uh, and so, but that was the closest I could come to my potential. Uh, and that and those lessons uh, have allowed me off the field uh, to achieve all these things and 
meet the next level of being able to focus in on my mission of empowering people like you and Craig and others to empower others, to empower others and change the world. Um, most valuable experience of my life was sports and I wasn't that good. At it. I was good. Like you said, probably the point oh one five percent of my sport, but not that good. Um, I represented that good. And there's a big difference between Troy Aikman, Warren Moon, Steve Young, and David Meltzer on the field. But there's also a big difference between us off the field. And I'm proud of that. And there's a big difference of Katie Keach on the court than Sue Bird and Katie Keach or Monique Billings and Katie Keach off the court. And, you know, working with them off the court, they have a great uh, ability. Most people may not know this, that uh, women, C-level uh, suite executives, over 90% of them played sports. Over 90% yeah. of women in the C-suite play sports. It is the most valuable teaching tool, and it, it's so important. You have all these different things from athletic training, teamwork, education, uh, financial literacy. Where do you think the big shortcoming is today that your primary, you know, a primary focus for you at the uh, teach basketball legacy uh, program. Uh, what are you seeing is most lacking? Yeah, I think it's the it's the talking and having these conversations, right? It's it's basically that everybody I feel still has these blinders on, um, and even parents, you know that that's the other side of this, right? We we talk about how we've invested in our kids, the people sacrifice going out to dinner and, you know, doing other things. So they put these kids in these trainings and it puts a lot of pressure on them. And so through the foundation, again, we want to build these partnerships, these relationships with the corporations so they can invest and create a funnel of, you know, employable uh, people in the future and also have a mini incubator for those who want to learn the entrepreneurship. You know, we want to have a podcast studio. We actually launched a podcast called Life Beyond the Ball um uh, last year and uh, yeah super super excited about it and right away the kids were like oh well we're gonna launch a podcast it's called life with the ball and so seeing the impact where they were just so amazed and and wanting to replicate what we were doing just gave me that oh my gosh i'm on the right track of what i'm supposed to do in life going forward we'll have to get you more guests and do swaps and really elevate the lessons and the dummy tax that have been paid to help uh, you know, those children, I will tell you, I do a lot of work with Chris Gardner, uh, who did, you know, Pursuit of Happiness. And uh, Chris works at 2000 different schools every year. Um, and once I learned from Chris, and I know it's because of people like you, Katie, and your husband, is our bench is deep. You know, th there's a lot of shit talking about our, our kids today. And, you know, I'm out there the best that I can, but mostly empowering people like you and, and others, because, that's the way we can scale this. Uh, but the line of empowering our future, our, our bench is deep. And I want everyone to support the academy, I mean, the program that you have, uh, the nonprofit, because we got to make sure that we get enough playing time for our bench that's so deep because our future depends upon it. And there's no better thing that we could teach our children than to take what they learn on the court and bring it off the court to save our world. Katie, just keep up great work, please. Uh, reach out to us. We'd love to support you and your platform uh, and have and bring awareness to what you and your husband are doing. We have many other shows, Craig and I, so we'd love to have you back. Thank you so much, David and Craig. So nice to meet you. I really appreciate having the platform this morning to, to share the mission and the vision 
Um, visit keechlegacy.org to learn more and subscribe to our newsletter. Thank you so much. Katie, thank you thank for your beautiful you. energy. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. you both. Keep it up. What an amazing, amazing leader. Uh, you know, there was no doubt when she's like, well, you know, $1.4 billion, this and that. I was like, of course. You know, even though an injury stopped her from probably what would have been a really great basketball career as well, uh, she now is doing something far more substantial and empowering than uh, even playing in the WNBA. Uh, that's, so, that's how it works, the universe, right? Yeah. Well, we brought the gold. Now we're going to bring the silver. Mark Silver has been patiently waiting uh, <laughs> there in the green room. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> you and I share, you share the same uh, philosophy in life, uh, a heart-centered life and a heart-centered business. You know, mind, open heart, and open hands uh, are all congruent with one another. And the book, I think, uh, really speaks not only to me, but sometimes I see a book and read it and say, this guy wrote my book, but he just explains it far better than I can, <laughs> articulating a quantitative value that I wish could reach more of the world. Uh, healing is what really uh, caught my eye in order to thrive. You know, I had a paradigm shift, which is actually the name of the show that Craig and I have done every single week for 150 weeks in a row. I don't know how I can stand it, but oh my God. You know, I, I want to talk about the book and how you shifted the paradigm. Um, you know, I, I have to go get stuff to you know what I have to do is clear the interference, the disease, and heal the toxicity in business in my life in order to thrive. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the, it's so interesting because I come out of an activist background. I, in, in, in a past life, um, I did a lot of I did a lot of activism. I was also a paramedic um, in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I just saw a lot of um, suffering and a lot of pain that had been inflicted by the world of business. And it's, it was painful for me because I grew up in the world of business. I grew up in, my parents had a store that my grandfather had started. Um, he, was a, <laughs> he was a pharmacist and sold alcohol by prescription during prohibition and then started a wine store in Washington, DC. And so- He's the um, original Gary V. <laughs> very, yeah. <laughs> it was very, it was, it was a, it's a, it's a fun story. And, um, and so this kind of, this tug in my heart's bet between, okay, my family is doing this wonderful family sized business, caring for their customers. People have been around for decades or customers have been, and then seeing how devastating business could be on the planet, on our communities, on the environment. And, you know, in the 20 plus years that I've been helping small businesses, the thing that I see stop people the most is that they are totally unwilling to do something that is outside of their integrity. They see marketing, they see the way that businesses are, um, are acting, and they're going, if I have to do that to be successful, I'm not going to do that. And so their businesses stall. And to be able to help them to open their hearts, to find the love, not to get over their issues in business, but to find a different way that expresses love while also, you know, getting their hands dirty, getting getting the nitty gritty done, getting the marketing done, paying attention to the numbers, paying attention to, you know, how the business operates. It's... Um, it's a potent mix and uh, people often have to go through quite a lot to be able to um, shed their reactions 
so that they can approach it and find a different way of walking through. I love that. And I just wanted to clarify, when you say shedding the reactions, what do you mean by that exactly? So, you know, if somebody has had terrible experiences being marketed to or being sold to, and then thinking that they have to do it that way, maybe even having tried it that way, they're going to have these internal reactions of, ugh, you know, I, I think of, um, you know, I think of a client um, that we had who um, had had <laughs> they had been sold something terrible somebody had played on their emotions it played with their dreams and made all these promises and after it was all done the thing that they had bought um, which was a program that was promising them all kinds of stuff and um, all kinds of uh, you know to gain all these skills and to be be successful and all they had was a huge credit card bill and they said i'm never going to harm somebody like i was harmed and they had such a revulsion to the idea of selling that it was very hard for them to approach it again. And so to shed that, um, one, we had to really honor it, that that there's wisdom there. Like that yuck was real, like somebody had messed them up and um, and that needed to be honored that we didn't want them to get over it so that they could then do it to somebody else. And so often when people are witnessed and honored and seen, they can take a breath. They can slow down. They can say, okay, I wasn't nuts. I, I, you know, this was real. Somebody really did a number on me. And, and there is a different way to do this. I don't have to, continue the cycle of abuse. You know, I consider that kind of selling that this person was subjected to abuse. And, um, and we can do things in a kinder, gentler, more loving way, but without losing the ability to actually connect and actually have clients land and actually have your business work. Dave, I know you have a lot to say. I just want to say, I thought that was really, really, really beautiful, Mark. And I love the word honored. And I think of that, I think of healing. And this, and we're talking about so much more than just sales right now. And it's like, if something happened that caused trauma or resistance or dis-ease, whatever the case may be, um, let's honor it and take what we can learn from it. And we can go about it a different way as opposed to just maybe, you know, putting it over there. Uh, yeah. And Mark, the, the key component in heart center business and People should go to heart-centered business book and understand what heart-centered means in a spirit-centered way. But the key word that stands out to me, Mark, and I know it will resonate with you because I understand, you know, where you have developed an extraordinary mindset, heart-set, enhanced that is the word, the way. So I, I studied the Tao. I study the Tao every day. Uh, I study Wayne Dyer, who actually his name means uh, lighting or illuminating the way. The Tao means the way. And you have really illustrated and exemplified what people's problem is with hurt. Is that, you know, if you take a book publisher, for example, uh, you know, talk about taking advantage of emotion uh, that happens to so many different people who have writ written books, they take advantage of it. But and it stops people from writing books and people from selling or giving away their books, whatever it may be because of one person hurt people, hurt people, manipulating people, manipulate people. And yes. this idea of the way, what I hear you saying in a heart-centered way is that it's not 
the way that no way when we're hurt or fail. It's the way and then a better way. And the wisdom, the wisdom and the faith are what shorten the distance of resistance when the way that we are progressing is not the best way. How do we get people to get away from no way and get back to the way? <laughs> I love that. <sighs> I think that, like what I just did, I think is one of the most important steps. You know, so many people talk about this and it's and it's true that we need to pause. You know, when we've been hurt, if we can stop and pause, that that is the biggest, to be able to take a breath, to be able to remember. One of the questions that I ask um, our clients quite frequently is the question, is love available even here? And I really encourage them to ask that question in a sincere way because, you know, our mind will say, well, of course, I'm, the right answer is love is available. But when we've been hurt, we're not sure. We're not sure that love is really available. And when we start to ask this question in a real way, and slow down. You know, one of the things about our culture is that it encourages us to move faster and faster and faster, which, you know, I've found <laughs> some of the fastest movement that I've taken is by slowing down and finding my feet where they are and finding my heart where it is and being able to take a look around. And when we ask that question, is love available even here? Then we begin to wonder, is love, where is the love in sales, in marketing? Can I find it? And there's a, there's a spark of curiosity that starts to open potentially. And when we start to follow that spark of curiosity, then we can start to learn. Then we have more space to learn something new and to take a new path. I love that. Uh, I was with Will I Am in my studio in Vegas yesterday. Uh, for a little birthday prize and uh where's the love definitely came up but uh, i will add to your heart-centered way and encourage people to go to heartcenteredbusinessbook.com and read the heart-centered business is don't forget that forgiveness is a reflection of love as well so we can always find love in the way through forgiveness of those hurt people that are hurting people and uh, we can pray for their happiness and their healing as a solution to the attacks, judgments, and conditions that other people are projecting onto us. Utilize the love and the reflection of love in order to say center. If you are interfering with that, just stop, drop, and roll, as Mark has accurately <laughs> described. I love the book. I love the passion. I love the mission. Just like the other guest today, Katie, and uh, or of course, uh, Jerome. I was so impressed by her. That was beautiful. I uh, getting to watch it in the back. You know, yeah, you should have She's amazing, and so are you. Let's all share and elevate others. Elevate others. A coach, a teacher, a spiritual healer, an incredible author. Check it out at heartcenteredbusinessbook.com. Craig, any last final words? I just want to say, Mark, thank you so much. That was unbelievable. Um, it just made me really emotional. I just uh, I love what you're all about and. And the way you break things down is awesome. And again, a word that sticks out was honoring. And I think that's something we can all do. And forgiveness, even just forgiving ourselves and then learning from it and so forth. So uh, I was just really moved by this conversation. Super mm. grateful. Mm. Bring in the Thank gold, you. Mark Silver. Check out. Thanks for joining mm. us, Mark.
thank you so much. I'm really touched. Bye, Mark. We'll see you. Take care, brother. Like you say, same frequency? Yeah, same frequency. Katie, Mark, Jerome, all on the same frequency. Those our frequency great. is our neighborhood. They? As I just said, those were great, Dave. Yeah, we're blessed, man. Just like on Saturdays, I'm always super stoked uh, to do our quick hit on Instagram paradigm shift. Well, I, as you know, uh, love to get a takeaway from everyone that participates in anything that we do. I think it's important to understand what resonates with individuals and picking out one thing that resonates most with us. What would that be for you today? Um, since it's your birthday, I'm going to do a bonus and do two. Um, All right, cool. Thank you. Jerome, the cake and the candle. <laughs> uh, Jerome's whole conversation, and specifically the way he was describing the archetypes, was extremely uh, impactful for me because it's something I'm currently going through, and it helped me identify certain things so that I could be more intentional with some of the changes I'm making. And obviously, you're supporting me through that transition as well. Um, but again, um, just the last conversation we had with Mark and honoring some of the things that we've been through and not trying to, because we thought they were super negative or trauma, not trying to just brush them aside, honoring them and then taking the lesson, like you always like to say, extract that and then move forward with a different approach. I just thought those specifically uh, really touched me. I love that. You touched me, my friend. You are dear to my heart and to be able to be with you for a few moments a problem with helping people with their mission in their way is they have a limited amount of time where when they're starting out, they're always available. So it's so nice that you're available to be with me and to share our ideas with others, which is my mission always of picking and choosing the greats and making them even greater, uh, which my takeaway for today from office hours and on my birthday. And, you know, Wayne Dyer was, you know, my David Meltzer, uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer has written so many extraordinary books, turned me on to The Course of Miracles and uh, showed me a different way to look at uh, the Napoleon Hill readings I had, led me to the Tao, which means the way. And my mission is to light the way, which is illuminate the way. And the way is my takeaway for the day. Find your way. Don't stop your way. Clear the interference. One particle of light will overcome the miracles of darkness along your way. Not other people's way, not what's missing and what you don't have in the way, but your way, what's important to you along your way. The way is my takeaway of the day, and it's the takeaway of my birthday. I love you all. I appreciate you all, especially the eagle who at any moment's notice can come and support our community with his wisdom and his smile, his glow and his energy. He is a particle of light overcoming millions of particles of darkness. Remember, those dark, those dark particles, and we see it out there, Craig, they're loud. They're putting their comments in big, bold letters of comments. But remember, they're weak. So next time you see some idiot projecting some insecurity onto you, remember, one particle of light overcomes a million particles of darkness. They're loud but they're weak. So hold on and liberate your light to liberate other people's light and find your way, light your way, which will light other people's way. I love you, Craig Siegel. Thank you for being there to be, for me on my birthday. I appreciate you. My pleasure. Love you too. Happy birthday. And we're going to chat soon. See you later. Check out the Paradigm Shift 730.
on Saturday mornings, every Saturday morning. We haven't missed one for almost three years, and it's so much fun. It's 111, the sign of the angel, and my birthday, and I'm enjoying it. Celebrate everything celebratable. Uh, we appreciate you, and come celebrate with me. I'm in Santa Clara today for my birthday with uh, a lot of my friends, Joe Montana, Gary V, Tim Story, and many more. Uh, we're at the Santa Clara Convention Center. I'm doing a birthday meetup. Come meet me at 1.45 p.m. at the Santa Clara Convention Center with me and a few thousand friends. Uh, come and join me for Q&A. I have everyone will sign them, give them to you. But if you can't make it, just go ahead and email me. I'll send you a book for my birthday, david at dmelzer.com. I'll sign that book, send it to you, pay for shipping and the book. Let me give you a birthday present uh, that hopefully will light your way and empower you in your way so you can empower others in their way. David at dmelzer.com. Coming up, we'll be in Miami, in Atlanta, in Nashville, 200 cities this year. So please join me in one of them. We have masterminds, VIP dinners. We have meetups. We have speeches. I'm always going to be of service and of value. It's the seventh archetype of giving back in my transition of transformative behavior. I love you all, but remember, most importantly, regardless of whether you're in Santa Clara or around the world or meet up virtually or in person, be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds.